Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're gonna need each other. <laughs> I can hear a word they're saying. Every time I hear that song, it reminds me of Seinfeld. Yeah. Just driving around in John Boyd's car. <laughs> Yeehaw. Mita. Nadim, we just watched the Oscars. Just watched. Like, literally, literally just finished. Like, we took a potty break and now we're recording this. Yeah. That's it. Isn't that wild? Wild. Crazy. <laughs> Mita just discovered that <laughs> meme. Wow. Crazy. No, you know what? I know it's been a while and I've heard it so many times. It's the first time I've said it out loud oh, to right. somebody there else. But yeah, I got and that. And you loved it, so there I you loved go. It. Totally great. But the Oscars mean that. Yes, it happened. It happened. All the things happened. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Where do we even begin? I don't at even the beginning? know. At the beginning, so best supporting actor. Can we talk about Jimmy Kimmel first? Yeah. Sure. Let's talk about Jimmy. I like Jimmy. Jimmy Kimmel. I don't mind Jimmy. Yeah. I, I thought overall as a show. Let's do that. Overall as a show. Very palatable, mm-hmm. like not offensive. It. I like the fact that we were back in stadium seating. Yes. I don't. I didn't like the tables because it felt too intimate. The Oscars are should feel grand, mm-hmm. and this finally felt like back to twenty nineteen Oscars. Yes, like it felt like that way. That, that the whole show itself, I felt like like right at the end, watching the end of it, yeah. I was like, this felt like twenty nineteen again, yeah. which is what I've been wanting. Like yes. I want that feeling yeah. of like. We are a community of film people, and we're yeah. celebrating each other, and yeah. we're doing it in this really grand, lustrous way. Yeah. I don't think this is going to be, like, the most memorable Oscars for our years to come. I mean, I feel like that's tainted by the fact that, like, the memorable Oscars are often the ones where things happen. Yeah, like a slap. Slap. Or the or wrong, wrong winner. Yeah, wrong yeah. winner. Or, like, big upsets like Adrian Brody. Like, you remember those. Yeah. You don't remember the ones where, like, there were surprises, but nothing, like... Nothing crazy happened this year. It was a very, like, even keel. Everything kind of made sense. Everything made sense. The winners really made sense. Like, nothing was egregious. Mm Mm-hmm. But maybe some things were better than others. I think it just was a much more, like, of a feel-good kind of award show. That's the other thing I really liked. It really did feel like... The last few years have kind of been downers just because of the limitations with COVID and, like, wanting to be safe and those practices, which I get having. Totes, yeah. Like, that's fair if everybody wants to be safe. And as a result, the movies themselves were not, like... They're not exciting and, like... Like, I mean, Coda won last year. So, I mean, like, there's only so much excitement you can have around that. (laughs) Well, we'll find out next year when we review it for this podcast um right now i'm telling you (laughs) but yes the last two years most of the pictures nominated were not yeah not something to really look forward to and this year felt like we've talked about this that like you i didn't like all 10 films but the top three in my opinion like they were excellent contenders Mm -hmm. everything everywhere banshees and tar were like top tier films that deserve to be there it also just this past year it really does feel like people are going back to the movies and like seeing things again like i've been to the theater a bunch recently and like it just it feels nice to kind of feel like things are back to normal a little bit exactly yeah so that's been good so yeah jimmy was fine jimmy was fine and i think that was the other i think i think that's the thing i actually really liked it Mm -hmm. i liked the ceremony i like jimmy i've i don't actually have anything to complain about but I'm not, like, over the top. Like, that was a great show. No, but I also don't know what could make it 
a great show. I mean, Parasite was a great show. But wow. that, I think, was the, like... I, I think there were things... About, I think Jimmy was fine. Yeah. He was He was nice. He had some great jokes, some good tongue-in-cheek or some easy things. He might fall in front of Will Smith enough. Like, it was all very, like, expected. But, like, he hit the marks that he was supposed he to. He towed the company line, but yeah. still was, like, fun with it. But still was yeah. fun with it. And so that was fine. Oh, that Eleanor was actually really good, too. That like, Eleanor was yeah. fun with Like, the she snacks. was a really yeah. good host. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, she was excellent. She's not a nice person. She's not a nice person, but that host year was really good. Like, there, was cert- there are certain years that are more memorable. Yeah. And, like, not just because envelopes and slaps and things like that. I think there was some genuine positivity in the room, mm-hmm. and that was really palpable. Yeah. Like, especially, like, with the winners, with uh, Kyu Hee Kwan winning, like, people felt really good. That win for Best Short was so cute. Yes. With them singing so Happy, Happy Birthday. Birthday. Yeah, that yeah. was so nice. I wanted to sing with them. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. You could tell that, like, I think there was a genuine feeling of, like, ex- except Angela Bassett, who was a sour face. Someone's when, a little upset. Someone's a little upset. Everyone else seemed to be legitimately happy for everyone else. Yes. Like, really, truly, like, you know, there. I will say about Angela Bassett that I act- I get why she's upset she thought she was gonna win an oscar it makes sense and like i think it's tough to say to people well you have to pretend you're happy in that moment no she can feel how she wants to feel she can be a little bit salty so i don't i don't put any qualms on her for clearly being sourpussed about it i'll also say Mm -hmm. of all the wins tonight I'm really happy Jamie Lee Curtis won. Yeah. She deserves a career win mm-hmm. for her longevity, for everything she's done. But she was not the best supporting performance. Because one could also say Angela Bassett also deserves that career exactly. win. I still think it should have gone to Stephanie Sue. Performance-wise? Performance-wise, yeah. out of all those movies. I would have... Or Stephanie Sue or Carrie Condon, Condon. Yeah, yeah. That's the other one. Mm-hmm. Those two were definitely, I think, stronger overall performances. Yes. And if you're talking career to career, I don't know. Black Twitter is going to have something to say about this. Yeah. Let them. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying they, they, they can't. I think it just brings up the question of like, I don't think Angela, ba- like we said this before, that that performance when we saw it, we weren't like, oh my God. Like it wasn't the best. Yeah, it wasn't she's, the best. Also, spoiler alert, she's not really in the movie that much. She's not in the movie as much as you think she is. She's got two Cracker Jack scenes. That's it. She is a... Part of the driving force of the second half of the movie, though. Yeah. And like she has more, pre- she has the most presence as a character, too. Yes. That's the other thing, is because we talked about, there's, you're watching this and you're like, whose story is this? Is this? Like, who am I, why am I watching yeah. this? And then it kind of is revealed only towards the end. I'm yeah. Like, this is why this I'm watching this movie. So, yeah. anyways, I don't know. Jamie Lee Curtis, happy for you. Happy. I love Sup- Nepo baby Jamie Lee Curtis. Super happy. My favorite Nepo baby. Could have gone to someone else. It could have, but I'm happy to see her win. Yeah. She was so excited. She's so excited. So, so happy. And she's so humble about it all, yeah. too, which I really enjoyed. Which was really nice. And that was the other thing. Everyone seemed very humbled. And, like, you know, even when Michelle Yeoh won, she was, first of all, I'm so happy Michelle Yeoh won. Yes. Really. We're legitimate. both excited. We're both very, very that. happy that she won. Did you see Sandra O's face when Michelle yeah, Yeoh won? She, like, she was, it's just so and nice. That, and, like, but even Michelle Yeoh's face when they were announcing it, she was nervous. Yeah. Like, that. Grasping onto her yeah. team castmates. Yeah. It was really, like. It was nice to see that kind of, like, drive. Because people, I find, it's like when Kate Winslet won. She's like, no, I want this. Yeah. And it's admirable. You don't want to be, like... Oh, I'm happy for everybody else. Yeah, or Anne Hathaway's, like, 
fake humility. It came true. Yeah, no <laughs> one bought that, man. No you know one what? bought I that. I do think Anne is that, though. Now no. that I look back on it, I actually think that is what Annie is like as a person. I don't think so. I no. think what we see Anne now, like in this day and age, killing the red carpet and like just kind of with the bangs and like she's a little bit more Andy. But have you not seen her break down in tears, like, while sitting at a fashion show? Because she's just so amazed by all the fashion. No, for sure. But I feel like... I think like there is a that, little bit of that in her. But that's that starry-eyed, like, and emotion, the, it right? It came true. No, that just felt so, no, like... I will defend so, Anne. <laughs> it felt so fake. Anyways, we're not here to talk about Anne, but just to say that, like, the authenticity of the winners. Like, Brendan Fraser, like, all of them, really, the win, the big wins, they all felt, like, truly, like... Like, you were rooting for them. Yeah. And that felt really nice. Mm-hmm. And then there's Naktu Naktu. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> how how exciting. The, the performance. Let's start with the, the performance. performance. Let's start with Deepika Padukone. Presenting. Presenting. That song. Yeah. Great job presenting Great job it. presenting. She yes. looked incredible. Mm-hmm. She was clearly a little nervous, but, like, she played into it. They got her there because she could pronounce the names. And I respect that. Yeah. You did some research. You didn't just get Priyanka Chopra to do it. Yeah. You found someone else. And she did excellent. And she, the crowd was, the you could tell that the energy of the crowd was really like, they were excited for, for it. it. And she was excited that they she were excited. She nailed the punchline of, and it's a banger. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a banger. Yeah. She got it all. It was a memorable, like it was a nice way for someone as talented as Deepika to, I think Deepika sometimes gets forgotten about because she's so beautiful. Like, people just assume she's just a pretty face. Mm -hmm. But she's a talented performer. And this might highlight her in the Western world a little because that clip is going to get replayed a lot. Because XXX did not do that for her. XXX did not do that for her. She deserved it. (laughs) But then she presented and then they performed. Yeah. And And the performance was was so fun. It was so fun. Fun. Not as great as it could have been. No. (laughs) But really appreciate the effort. I do. I'm just so confused, though, as to why you wouldn't use all South Asian performers in that. It could be they might literally not have been able to find them. In Los Angeles, you can't find any South Asian dancers. I don't know what the screening (laughs) process... That's very fair. I don't know what the screening process for finding dancers at the Oscars is. Okay. Right? Well, why don't you find (laughs) Neither do you. Like, we don't know what that looks like. And, right, like, if you're putting out a casting call for dancers to dance to this... Hollywood song. Yes. You think just you could find a sea of brown people to dance to it. Yeah. You don't. I'm sure there's somebody out there. But also <laughs> in the movie, it's actually not a lot of brown people dancing to it. No, it's right? not. Right? And that's the other thing. But it's two, they, it's mainly the two of them. Yeah, and they were both yeah. brown. They were, yeah, that's fair. And like, that's the other thing is that like the crowd technically in the movie wasn't brown mm-hmm. either. So they, and they were trying to replicate that. So you kind of have to, but really happy at one. Mm-hmm. Love that the crowd was like right was there it. for it. They were like, yeah, and they like jumped to their feet when it was over. Oh, they yeah. like loved Kate it. Kate Hudson loved it. Loved it. <laughs> yeah, she was all over it. She it was, was just, pumped. It was just. It was just a night. It felt like a nice ceremony. Last year's ceremony didn't feel nice. No, I, and that was the thing. It just felt very like. Well, there also was like a big downer. In there was a some there, there assault. Was a, I don't know if you saw. Yeah, but tell me. Will Smith slapped Chris How did I miss that? And then screamed profanities at him. How did I miss that? Over this last year, how did that... Were you sleeping? Was I sleeping? (laughs) You slept through that for the last year? And that kind of... Even though it was at the, like, tail end of the award show, it did put a damper. Like, I don't remember anything before. Uh, But also, (laughs) the other thing was, is that, like, they didn't have proper hosts, so they had Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, and Wanda Sykes. Yeah. Who were not good. 
Wanda Sykes was. Wanda Sykes was and could probably host it herself. Yes. But Amy Schumer and especially Regina Hall were not, were not good. And so, and like not having a good host actually really, it affects the whole show. And that's why I think Jimmy, they picked Jimmy Kimmel because it's like, you're not going to suck. No. You might not be great. But you're not going to be terrible. You're not going to be terrible. And I think that was the right call for producers to be like, let's go with middle ground. At least it's safe. Yeah. And they I did think, want Chris Rock though. Did they? Yeah. And he said no? No. He said no. I think it's smart of him to say no. Yeah. Because now he's making a lot Bank of attention on that Netflix, on the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that Netflix special. And hit releasing the week before the yeah, Oscars. He knows a what very he's smart doing. Man. Yeah. yeah. And I think he he'll probably give some space before returning to the Oscars. I don't think he probably ever will. No. But he's done. Like he's hosted, he's presented, like he's done all he's of done that. It. So I don't see why he wouldn't. But I do think that for him, it's also a matter of like any time he goes back, it's mm-hmm. Chris Rock's return after the slap. Yeah. It'll never not be that. I would like to see Hugh Jackman do it again. Yeah. I really loved that musical opener. I there's there's a host I really want to see, and I haven't really mentioned it before. But I think Tina Fey would be. She will never do. It. I know. Maybe <laughs> Polar would be really would good. Be so good. They're they're consistently the best. I I watch their opening monologues from the Golden Globes. Yeah, regularly. So I'm just saying. Except for that last Golden Globe. Oh yeah, we're not counting. We don't that. talk about we that. We don't one? talk about the okay. virtual weird two city one. We're talking about live in person. Yes. But anyways, great Oscars. Great I actually, Oscars. Let's hear it for all of the Asians. Let's hear it for all the Asians. South, South, and, and North, East, East West, West, India is the best. I don't all, know all of the Asians <laughs> because it was an Asian dominated event. Yeah. And that was so and nice it's so to see. exciting. It's so exciting, and I'm assuming. Some racists on Twitter are going to have a field day with this tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to reading those tweets, because it's going to happen, Because you're just going to laugh at them, because what else can you do? I follow... I was mentioning this to you while we were watching, but there is... I follow this uh, fashion blog called Diet Sabian. Instagram, and he, she wrote, because we don't know who actually does it. Oh, that there's, there, it's our, like, the moment not do not do one, the, like, the racist comments about, like, how could this win, blah, 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 started right away. Yeah. And, like, and I think with every, Michelle Yeoh, because it's a banger, first of all. Yeah. Dipika already told you. I think with Michelle Yeoh and everything everywhere, it's you're going to see it, unfortunately. The thing that always drives me crazy yeah. is, like, usually these comments come from people that did not see a single movie, a single yeah. one of the movies. Yeah. And they're like, well, it should be this person, or it yeah. should be that Well, like, Did you watch them? Because I did. Yeah. So. I've seen all of them. Yes. And let me tell you what should win. Yeah, that's that's it. We'll be watching everything everywhere all at once next year again. There we go. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy that it won. But to be quite honest, I I I think the the movie that I would have been disappointed with had no chance of winning. Top Gun, Avatar. Oh, okay. I was like, I would like to watch Top Gun again. <laughs> no, but like Avatar, Avatar the Fablemans. I think there was a bunch of there's a handful of films that like were there was second tier. Honestly, I wouldn't be happy if All Quiet on the Western Front won. I really enjoyed it. And again, All Quiet cleaned up. Yeah. Like, it really, did really it, well. Really well. And I get it. It's just, I felt like that is not, the, the remake to me does not make sense. Like, yeah. you're not telling me anything new in this remake. So what was the purpose behind it? I think as North Americans, that's how we see it. But the war that is currently happening is also in Europe. Okay. So and it's more in their day-to-day. And it is definitely more in their day to day, and so it's a relevant it's, story. It's a little bit more relevant. Like I can Could you understand not, that. Like, why not do something original? 
No, I mean, obviously. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> maybe he will, because I will say it's an excellent film. Yeah. It's an excellent adaption of that movie. And sends the point home very nicely. No, I don't It's like going to be in my head for totally. years now. Yeah, I'm absolutely... I'm going to watch those clips over and yeah. over. That whole sequence of Deepika to, like, to yeah. the end, and then the speech, because the speech was cute, too. The speech was so good. He's singing the carpenters. Yeah. Thanking people. Yeah. It was nice. It just gave you a nice, like, oh. oh. This is... It's so deserved. It's so nice to see people, like, actually so happy to be receiving these awards. Yeah. Because sometimes they... Those shows can feel stale, and people are just, like, saying thank you. But I feel like there was something really genuine yes, in everybody's speech. Absolutely. I, like, totally everyone felt pretty genuine. And I will say that, like, it was long. It went a half hour over, three and a half hours, all of that. It didn't feel as long as it sometimes does. No, it didn't. It actually felt like it went by very quickly. Mm-hmm. And that was because they actually cut out a lot of fat. Yeah. Like, they didn't have as much fat as they usually do. There was the In Memoriam for John Travolta. And that was really it. There was no... There was a couple of like that weird Little Mermaid thing, and then that weird Warner Brothers thing, and that was. I really think Cocaine it. Bear went on for a bit. Cocaine too Bear long, was just funny. To. That was the other thing. There were a couple of bits that didn't land. Yeah, I could always do with some bits. And when Mindy like Kaling, Jenny. like Jenny, yeah. Jenny was great. Yeah, that was a great choice. Mm-hmm. But like bits, you know how like when certain like Melissa McCarthy or even Mindy Kaling, like they do like just funny present. They're funny when they present. Yes. We didn't have that. So no. missed that a little bit. That's it. But that's it. That's it. That was the Oscars. How many stars mean? That was this For the whole Oscar show? Yeah. I think it was this, this is like a solid four out of five Oscars. I'd say four out of five. Yeah. What would be a four out of four and a half and what would be a five just before we Um, on? A five Oscar would have been if RR had been nominated for Best no, Picture. But in the past, what would you Oh, in the past? Yeah. What are some that have stuck out to me? Oh, that's so hard to... Th- I'm, that Ellen one is a very good That Ellen one. one is really good. Seeing Parasite win and seeing yeah. him like ha- accept that award was really cool, too. Uh, I don't the know Parasite that. win felt, had the same feeling that this did. Yeah. It had the same like notion that like you were happy, they were happy, and the audience was happy. was happy about it. Yeah. It didn't yeah. have that same level of like... It felt odd like that. Yeah. I will also say... I think the La La Land year, only because that thing that happened was wild. That was so wild. That was, Everyone was so It confused. was such a predictable year right up until that point. Moment. yeah. And then, boosh, Yeah. Just like, what? Just like, what just happened? <laughs> what did Warren Beatty do? But in terms of overall telecast, I think the Ellen year is probably one of the best. One of the most memory. fun yeah. that I can remember. Yeah. She was re- really, really good. Yeah. Delivering, like, the pizza delivery. That was hilarious, the right? Selfie with everybody the selfie, with Bradley Cooper, yeah. and that was the year Twelve Years a Slave won. So I yeah. mean, it's not. It was a downer of a year, but she. But like, even seeing Lupita win was like yes, so exciting. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And I think Jennifer Lawrence presented. So like, there was a, a good cast. There was a good, great celebrities. I, I just had a great time this year. Yes, I, I do also really do remember that two thousand nine. Uh, it was, yeah, 2009 Oscars mm-hmm. for 2008 films. Because that's the Hugh Jackman year. Yes. That opening number is, like, insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they also had written it, like, the day of. Yeah. And, like, he had to perform it just having learned it hours before. Yeah. And also seeing Slumdog win awesome. while in India was pretty cool. Yeah. Slumdog winning was big. Yeah. And A.R. Himan winning two Oscars. Yeah. Skulzar winning an Oscar. Yeah. There's a lot and of- Anne and Hugh Jackman performing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, remember when Anne... And James Franco did the Oscars. That's like 
memorable and that all the wrong way all the wrong reasons but i did like all of her outfits as a host she did i think Anne could actually host the oscars yeah on her own but i'm hoping someone fun next year yeah someone not new someone new someone but not whatever his name is from the golden gerard (laughs) he did not want to be there no one wants you there anymore but mita (laughs) speaking of the oscars and best picture yes and not that we're speaking about it, but the end of a decade. Wow. 1969. Interesting that this movie was a 1969, maybe? Maybe. 69. 69. Yeah. <laughs> because what did we watch before we get into it? Okay, well, this week we watched Midnight Cowboy. We did. Midnight Cowboy is what we watched. I'm just trying to pull up the IMDb description that I'm yeah. going to give you. Give me one second. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is what IMDb describes Midnight Cowboy as. A naive hustler travels from Texas to New York City to seek personal fortune, finding a new friend in the process. This makes this sound like a buddy movie. (laughs) I mean, in a way. In a way. It is a buddy movie. It's just not the buddy movie. This logline makes it sound. Finds a new friend along the way. It's also one of the world's greatest romance stories. You know, maybe. (laughs) Also, the first and only X-rated Oh, yeah. winner, winner, Best chicken picture. dinner. X or NC-17, whatever you want to call it. Yes. At Best the time, was it X? I think it was X at the time. Okay. It's NC-17 now. Mm-hmm. It's R- And by today's standards, it's an R. Yeah. But yeah, that's Midnight Cowboy. The year after, Oliver. <laughs> you, you just said, like, the end of a decade. Yeah. And I feel like... Throughout this journey of ours, yeah, this is the first time where it's really feels like we've watched a decade of yeah. them, and it's been such a snapshot, yeah, of something. Because we really did. I don't think before it felt so definitive, mm-hmm. because the '60s felt very defined. They did. Like there was, it was musical heavy. Yeah. It was light, yeah. and here we're ending on what's to come. What's to come? Like truly, this feels like oh, this is the future. Yeah. Which is so weird because we did have it two, uh, two years ago, but then Oliver mucked it up. <laughs> Oliver really did completely because this is this is by all intents and purposes the exact opposite of Oliver. of Oliver. Yeah, it's Oliver with a period. Not I know. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I usually ask you your opinion first. Yeah, I'm you want to go into. I want to go into mine. Okay, first. tell it to me. Because I watched this when I was younger. Okay, and I watched it. Because I had heard it was X-rated, and this was before <laughs> internet porn was a thing. So I think I was hoping there was something different in this, and there's not. It was a very different viewing experience. Were and you I, hoping for female nudity? I was hoping, I don't know what I was hoping <laughs> okay. for, but I was definitely, I thought this was going to be like, ooh, super risque, and now realizing it's from the 60s. Yeah. So like, you know, I was risque. young and dumb. You're, you were young and dumb in your 20s, and I remember watching this, being disappointed by the lack of you know, nudity, boobs. boobs or whatever I was <laughs> expecting, but also being maybe taken aback by how dark it was. Yeah. Because this is, uh, and even watching it now, I was just like, oh, wow, this is super dark and really jarring, actually, uh-huh. considering what we've watched. Even, I, and I would add in the heat of the night to the mix, too. Oh, yes. Yeah. This is so much darker than anything, than we've, anything seen. we've seen yeah. up till this point. I went into this thinking it was a buddy macho movie. I thought this was like gonna be sausage fest in a way. <laughs> yeah. But I I, I thought this was gonna be like 
Rocky or The Godfather. Oh. I thought it was like boy, Yo, boy no, movie. Yeah. That's the notion that I've always had with it. Okay. So you probably didn't want to necessarily watch this. Not really, okay. but not really for, but not for that, like, yes, for that reason. Mm-hmm. But I was interested because like I've heard Midnight Cowboy so is much, so yeah. great. I always ask myself, why do people like John Voight? And they say, oh, Midnight Cowboy. And so I'm like, okay, I do want to watch this. But the macho-ness that I thought was in this movie um, was kind of deteriorating me from actually sitting down and watching it. Um, And I slowly and surely realized that that wasn't an issue in this movie at all. So then what were your thoughts? I was so taken aback about what I was watching. And my first question do you think Sam Elliott has watched Midnight Cowboy? <laughs> yeah, of, of course. What do you think Sam Elliott thinks about Midnight Cowboy? <laughs> Are you forgetting what Sam Elliott said? Yes, I do remember what Sam Elliott said. But <laughs> Joe Buck isn't necessarily gay. Joe Buck is a gay man. I think. You think? I do think. I, I think, think he's, he's at least bisexual. He's bisexual. That's yes. what I think. Yeah. I don't want, want to put labels on yeah. anybody. Joe Buck has a lot of shit going on. Yeah. But I don't think he's gay. Okay. I've never, not never now that I've seen it and understood it. Because I think there was so much in this movie when I watched it at a younger age that I had no idea what was going on. I think I got, I grabbed the gist of it about the buddies and all of that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't connect that it was necessarily about poverty or loneliness or like you know the the deterioration of the american dream or like yeah mm-hmm. like things like that i also don't think i things about his like abuse and his rape and like there's there's a lot going on there's here. a lot and i don't think at a younger age i really had gra- could like could, could appreciate that and really understood mm-hmm. because it's so jarring as a film as well because we haven't seen anything directed or edited like this either no editing especially yeah because so you you mentioned like he does have a history of, you know, an odd relationship with his grandmother and, you know, he suffered a sexual assault himself with his girlfriend. girlfriend. And the movie does these like cutbacks so mm-hmm. you understand that as it's going along. What I really enjoyed about this is how three-dimensional his actual character is. I think it's really easy to make like notions of a cowboy who maybe is like interested in men mm-hmm. or who at least will perform sexual acts with men mm-hmm. and make it very like flat whereas there is depth yeah. to this and like that darkness really plays well like it's dark but I still enjoyed it like I wasn't sitting there like I don't I want to turn this off it's not like a little movie that Mitha and I actually ended up watching together la- oh my early God. on <laughs> We haven't talked about we this. We haven't talked about it at all. But Mita and I watched a little movie from 2022 yeah. called Soft and Quiet uh-huh. that I think both of us actually would recommend that you watch, but also with like the heaviest heart. With the heaviest heart and the trigger warning, I think yeah. is really Actually, fair. a true trigger warning. I don't believe in trigger warnings. Neither do I. I actually think this one needs I actually one think that it. one needs one. Yeah. I think just be aware that it is about sexual assault. I think okay. that's the trigger warning. because the That re- was not the trigger for me. Really? <laughs> no. Anyways, we're not here to review Soft and Quiet. I think it's just, the only reason I bring it up because in 2023 when we watched a movie, that was, it was really unsettling and upsetting as a film to watch. I literally became sick to my stomach. Mita yeah. threw up the next day. The next day, yeah. I threw up water yeah. <laughs> the next day. This isn't upsetting. 
but it's very dark in theme. It's the themes are very dark, mm-hmm. and it's not a fun watch. No, but I still was like, I, I'm, I don't know if glad is the word. <laughs> glad. <laughs> I appreciate that I have seen this because I do think it's important. To what's to come. Like, this really does... Like, I thought In the Heat of the Night sets the tone yes. for the 70s, but Midnight Cowboy really sets the tone. And I think it's at the hi- highest end of the spectrum of, like, what is 70s cinema. And this really is... this, Like you're saying, it sets the tone, but, again, in such a jarring way. Because it's so experimental. It's so experimental, and it's surprising that this won... This going into the 60s, though, like, this is what I thought the 60s were going to be like. With If I didn't look at what the actual Best Picture nominees were, in my mind, 60s are psychedelic and uh, groovy is the word that comes to mind. But instead, we got the 60s are, when we look at the Best Pictures from them, are more reminiscent to, like, what I imagined the 50s were more like. And then it's not until the tail end of the 60s do I see, like, oh, okay, this is what I thought we were going to get throughout this entire decade. Yeah. I think time in general is like that, though. Mm -hmm. Like, I think when we look at the the 60s are actually, like, the 50s. The 70s are actually, like, the 60s. Like, that's... Because I feel like it's... Film is capturing time, right? So, like, it's capturing later rather than behind if that makes sense yeah so like this is capturing what was what was happening Mm. so in 1969 it was capturing what was like leading up to this exactly and now as we move forward things are essentially being so strange that all those sing-alongs and musicals led us to some wild shit (laughs) oliver was last year (laughs) oliver I, yeah. A kid's film. A G. A G-rated, a G-rated film, film, and then the next year it goes X. X. What I, happened in that I year? I really want to talk about how this won. Why this won. I don't, I can't, I was thinking, like, are there events in history that can, like, kind of lead us to this? And I don't even know, I, well, I'm not really good at history, if I'm being honest with myself. I mean... <laughs> I don't know history that well either, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to pretend like I do and know what landed. But also, there's just so much that we're just not prepared for when we watch this movie. Because if you're watching some, like, from Wings to here, mm-hmm. there's like a progression, right? Mm-hmm. You can it's, it's slow, but you feel that progression. We go from not talking about sex to this. Like up until no sex whatsoever. No, even at the beginning of the '60s, -hmm. with the apartment, that is a movie about sex. You don't see sex. Don't see any. There's no talk about it. It's Mm -hmm. actually pretty PG. The apartment, even though it's thematically, it's it is more complex. Yeah. But you don't see anything. Ten years later, you have an X-rated film about a hustler. It's really who was raped and sexual and arguably. Sexually assaulted. Because even if you look at the previous year of, like, not what was nominated, but cinema. Like, we talked last week about Rosemary's yeah. Baby, which does have oh, yeah, sex did, in yeah. it. A rape in a it. A rape in it, yeah. That is not as uh, jarring as Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. Because Midnight Cowboy almost has all of it. It has drags. It drags. Drugs. <laughs> it has drugs. It has sex. It is Stefan's night out. Yeah. Yeah. That's all of it. It literally is. It's it's a crazy amount of like stuff all at once. And the question of Oliver and 
My Fair Lady and Sound of Music and even West Side Story to some degree are showing this like idealistic look of America. Mm. And then suddenly, no, this is what it's actually This is like. your realist version. So what happened? America even... got shook. Yeah. When right? did Kennedy die? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question, actually. <laughs> I feel like that's when America got shook. Also, just so you guys know, we're Canadian, so that's why we don't know these like um, historical American dates at the top of our head. Death of a uh, death of the president. Well, no, no we 63. went to the moon in nineteen sixty. Oh, well, sixty three. Okay. Still six 63. years ago. So yeah. <laughs> like I, I can't. It's just so it. wild. It's just so it's wild. So yeah. Where did this like shift come from? What? When did the Vietnam War end? <laughs> Making just, you look up. Just so looking hard. up things on Google. Welcome to we'll Google stuff. <laughs> Like, I'm trying to find some sort of correlation where there would be this, 55 like, to 75. So we are so in the middle of it. So we're still in the middle of Vietnam. And I think this is when people started to become more... Jaded by it. Jaded by it and, like, vocal of, like, why are we in this war? What yeah. is the purpose of this war? Yeah. What's getting done? And so I know that led to people, like, it being experimental. Yeah, yeah. And, like, Woodstock is 1969. Yeah. And, like, the world is opening up. So it's not... When I say that, when I'm say, not as shocked. Yes, Woodstock is a particularly good point to bring up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not as shocked as it's happening, but it's just so sh- jarring to see. To go from a child, an orphan child dancing in the streets of 18 London. 1830s. 1830s London to John Voight in his cowboy outfit on the streets of New York going to Andy Warhol psychedelic drug parties, sucking dicks. Like, it's pretty... <laughs> well, he didn't suck dicks, but... Yeah. But we dicks are sucked yeah. in this movie. Sorry. <laughs> this episode is rated. <laughs> but to have that jump is like, what's going on in this country? What's going on with this academy? There's also so much nudity. It would be so interesting to see like if there was a shift in like who actually were voting members. Yeah. What if a bunch of them from the 30s died? And then now I we're mean, getting like... It could happen, right? Yeah. Like that's 30 years that have passed. Mm-hmm. But like again, so much nudity, so much language. Like the this feels like the shift from... The definitive shift from movies from the past from to modern movies. Mm-hmm. That's... And interestingly enough, you mentioned this last week about Oliver being the last movie musical until Chicago. Yeah. This kind of makes that sense of that. Yes. Because we're going into something completely different. Completely different. Yeah. And the Oliver musical really doesn't exist anymore. No. Even Chicago is very different as a musical. Yeah, that escape of, like, let's do storytelling in a sing-song way. Whereas this is so much more grounded and let's tell real stories about real people. But even Chicago as a musical, which we'll talk about when it wins, is a move is a musical about sex and violence, and it's not a happy family. No, you know, jaunt, jaunt, singing around the yeah. Alps or like you know the rain in Spain. Like so many of these things, these yeah. family musicals are dead because of the birth of something like Midnight Cowboy. People then maybe was it that, that people were done seeing fiction to that degree and they were ready for the, the the reality something you said about the sound of music has like really held on to me and mm. you mentioned like i had said like i think we need more of this and that it was really that like good yeah. feeling but you had said like we need more of it but i don't want more of it yeah. and i'm wondering if like that's sort of what 
kind of happened in this odd progression of people being like, okay, like we are done with that. Now we need to get down to business. And I, and people probably wanted to see more movies that they could possibly relate to. Yeah. But even this feels so like... This doesn't feel relatable no, to me. No, I hope it's not relatable to people. I think there are people who could relate Probably, to this. but are they watching Midnight Cowboy? I think there is a group of people who like we would consider a minority group i think gay men would like actually appreciate midnight cowboy you are very talking about the gay in the midnight cowboy i didn't see it so much as a gay see it no i see it It, when what (laughs) no no truly (laughs) he's a male prostitute yes he well but he wants to be a gigolo for women for women but he does accept sex from men well he says early on right like he says something about women um, so one thing I wanted to discuss that I completely forgot about when we talked about In the Heat of the Night was the use of the N-word, mm-hmm. for instance. They use it so freely. Mm-hmm. And it's jarring right now to see because of where we are in the world. But if you think about in the 70s, I don't think... And they're not using it as a common term. It is meant to be an offensive pejorative term. Mm-hmm. But people at that time were using that word. Right? Mm. People at that time were using that word yeah. the same way that in this they use the word fag yeah. so freely and regularly yeah. as a descriptor. If that's how people are actually saying it, if that's what people are saying, doesn't that actually make the language more authentic, even if it is offensive? Oh, yeah. I was not offended by that. In either? Like this no, or that? No, I didn't. I was really picturing myself like watching this in that time and place. I'm learning... To not be in 2023. Okay. The TikTok of it all? Yeah. And like... I think that's how we should be watching these films. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally get they're, they're, they are offensive words. I don't use them in my everyday language. That's what Mita wants you to think. <laughs> Please don't <laughs> say that about me. Mita doesn't say those words. Please. I don't say... I, and I call people out when they yeah. use those words. But I, I don't use them. But I also... I understand that there is a time and a place when those words were used mm-hmm. authentically. Uh, yeah. And so I'm not going to, I wouldn't call out this movie for using the word. It's jarring to hear, like when they were saying yeah. it, I was like, oh, but I was like, okay, but like, that's how he would talk then. Yeah. If he, if he's a guy from Texas in the sixties, like mm-hmm. that's, those are the words he's going to use. Yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't take any offense to that specifically. Okay. They use those words, but he also is like committing these sexual acts mm-hmm. themselves and I but, think, I do believe he is a bisexual man. Yes, but you, I think he's bisexual. Yeah. But you but I, seem to think he's more gay than bisexual. Based, I don't think and, you are more one than the other. Like, I do no, no, think no. it's a spectrum. No, 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 for sure. I'm just yeah. saying that based on, based on how you've talked about him and based on, I get the impression that you think that he's more likely to be gay as a character than bisexual. I think he's more likely to be gay than straight. Okay. I don't think he's a one kind of either. No, I don't think I don't think he's heterosexual at all. No. I think it's a matter of like how down the Kinsey scale you go. Yeah. And that. I honestly I think like even gay men who do distinguish themselves as gay, I don't see like why they wouldn't also perhaps one day have a relationship with a woman too. I don't mm. think things are so black and white when No, it comes I don't think they're that. so black and white either. I just think it's interesting that you, your like identification was well, like this yeah. is a gay person's movie. Yeah. Well, especially towards the end of it when they go to the party, yeah. that's like that's a gay scene. That's like, and then that time they would use the word gay. But the thing is, is that's now's perspective of something that's campy and gay. 
Whereas at the time, I think it was just a party. Is it though? What or was, do things what? like that lead to like orgies? Orgies and stories about men contracting diseases, which then we then learn years later on is HIV. Like but that's, that's where my mind HIV is still the eighties. We're well aware. They, people were ha- they had it in the seventies. They just did not distinguish what it was. Until no, but 80s. like, but like late seventies. It wasn't this early on. I mean, I don't think we can. We're not medical. We're, we're not, not doing a research. We're not. Part. We're not doing medical research yeah. or anything. But I am saying that, like, I don't think that's the intention. I get that vibe from it, though. But that's what that, it feels but like. But that feels like a 2023 vibe of that, and rather also, than a timely vibe of what that was. But I got that vibe, and then looking at the movie after, like, different reviews mm-hmm. and whatnot. If you go on to Letterboxd, yeah, yeah. a plethora of gay men get this movie, understand this movie, mm. see things in themselves mm. in this movie. And I think that is there, very that's important. A, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. What do they say? <laughs> Would you like me to follow I'm up? curious, yeah, because <laughs> I just didn't see that angle. So can we stop excluding Midnight Cowboy from recognition as a queer love story? Uh... Do you think right-wing homophobe John Voight is aware that he played a gay guy once? Should someone tell him? <laughs> this is cute. Men will literally become hustlers in New York instead of going to therapy. <laughs> someone wrote, do you think they ever explored each other's bodies? The original gay cowboy movie. So this is my problem with those reviews. Mm-hmm. I think there's seeing yourself as something and recognizing something, but the intentionality behind this, I would argue heavily, is not... About homosexuality. But are we supposed to go behind what's a director's intention or what we feel as a moviegoer and watching the film? I think you can you can say that Joe Buck, can't, how you identify with him as a gay man, for instance, that you identify with him as a character. But Joe Buck is not a gay cowboy. Okay, yeah. That's, that's what fair. I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. The, the, like, he's not the original gay cowboy because he's not. Not. That's not the point of it. And to, to, to say that, like, this is a this is a story of this is a buddy movie about two men who were friends, became friends of their circumstances because of their shared poverty. That's what that's about. Mm-hmm. But to assume that they were lovers or that he was in love with him, that's that is your projection. That's not I don't see anywhere in that film any intention from that director or even those performances to indicate that those are meant to be anything other than friends. Okay, that's fair. And that in general is a problem I have with like people overall is that like you can't say that like do people know he's the original gay cowboy? No, because he wasn't. Fine, John John Voight is like super right wing and homophobic and all of that. Which is interesting, considering he does play at least a bisexual man. (laughs) Yes. At the very very least, least, he's bisexual. But that's also because of what we've seen in the film, not what we're projecting onto that. There's so much of this now, like, of watching this movie that is in relation to what I've seen of gay culture today, though. So maybe gay culture is influenced by, by yes, rather than... But I think to have a movie come out in 1969 that has been able to tap into that culture is saying something. It might have not been his intention, but it still did it. But isn't it the other way around? Like, if we're seeing now the reflection of the gay culture in from Midnight Cowboy, isn't the gay culture is taking from Midnight Cowboy rather than Midnight Cowboy taking from the gay culture? I'm not saying it's taking from the gay culture. No, no, but I'm just saying being influenced by 
Yeah, I think gay culture is influenced by this movie. Yeah. That's something to say in of its own. It might not have been the director's intention, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's happened. Yeah. And I think that, that as a viewer today, that's what I'm recognizing from watching it. No, for sure. Yeah. And I, I, can, I can even see that, like, uh, the identity of Joe Buck being a closeted homophobe and being ostracized and all well, of that. Well, like, she, at one point when he's having yes, sex yes, yes, yes. with a woman and he's unable to get it yeah, up, yeah. she says to him, what are you, gay? And then all of a sudden that offends him and he's able to, yeah, to do it. To do it. But to me, that felt like he was more offended at the insinuation that he couldn't perform rather than that he couldn't perform because he was gay or that she was insinuating that he was gay. Okay. I'm very much influenced by the culture that I know today and a lot of the people that we know that are closeted do get offended by the, that kind of notion or they they hear things like mm-hmm. that and we do know that they are closeted people. But also to counter that, you reference back to his relationship with Annie so much throughout. Me or the no, movie? No, 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 the movie. Okay, I was like, Not I haven't that. said I haven't it, said I haven't said it once. Like <laughs> But I'm just saying the movie itself, the movie itself references, references his relationship that. with Annie. Yes. How how do you ignore that? Mm-hmm. No, that's fair too. Right? Like yeah. it's not saying, and that relationship is huge in the film. In his, yeah. in his life, what happened to her? What happened to him as a result of that? And then the thing that I think is the most interesting that the movie tries to address is his grandmother. Yeah. Because what are, I think, I think even despite the fact that this is X-rated, and there's a clear advancement in terms of what we can see. He still wasn't able to say things. So my question to you is, what do you think it was that relationship? With his grandma? Yeah. Because <laughs> all we have is suggestion. Yeah. We can't prove anything. I mean, in the bed with her. Yeah. There's part of me that hopes nothing happened. Well, sure. There's part of me that knows something happened. Yeah, yeah and that. I, I'm glad the movie doesn't go there. I think that would be specifically jarring for this time yeah, period. Like sure, if they yeah. so openly say. Yeah. Because that's also a really, that's something I've never seen in film except for Perks of Being a Wallflower, which came from a book, mm-hmm. is when like a woman is, oh, I guess Flickr Pizza. When a woman is the predator. <laughs> no, it's on a scandal. <laughs> oh, yes. Thank you. We'll keep on naming them so apparently. Many, yeah. Yeah. To die for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you know, but, like, the ones that we did mention are very subtle. Like, I... Are they? So, he's really young in the... the when he's, like, in the bed with her. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking, Whereas, like, like, single digits. Notes on a scandal is he's a teenage boy. Like, yeah, 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 Becoming an adult. And, like, Rich Pizza, a teenage boy becoming an adult. Same thing with To Die For. Persevering Wallflower is when he's younger, but he's having the realization of what happened. Like, he mm-hmm. suppressed the memory for yeah. so long. He doesn't... Sorry, spoiler yeah. alert. But he suppressed it for so yeah. long. And I actually... The first time I ever read Perks of Being a Wallflower, I didn't quite get it. Yeah. I was young, though. So there's that. Yeah. But we rarely see a young boy, like, like school-age boy... Yes, yes, yes. ...being nurtured and being... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Groomed. Groomed. By an older woman. Yeah. And so, like, I think if the movie really did go there, that would be too jarring. And almost probably would displace it from being... Like, I think it's in this movie enough that it's subtle that, like, moviegoers would, like, kind of get the idea. But it's also the 60s where the word pedophile wasn't a thing. 
Yeah, it wasn't common. It wasn't common. People didn't know what it was. Yeah. I also think the function of it is is purposeful. Mm-hmm. Like I I interpreted as he was abused and then he developed this unhealthy relationship with between with Annie, sex, with Annie but also what sex meant and that yes. he was only good for one thing essentially. And that's why he decided to be a hustler. That's why he valued his looks and his body and like his his sexual prowess above everything else. else. And that's where that comes from. Yeah. Like it's not just to be like, oh, this guy was also abused. It's like, no, we're trying to explain. Like we're trying to connect dots here. Yeah. And then that goes back to Annie, like all of it kind of. So I also think that intentionality with like having that there and connecting it back to something also makes it a little bit more palatable. Because it's not just meant to be this like weird dark thing in his life that happened. Do you think it happened? Yeah, I do. That was my impression. Yeah. That that was my impression that like from the beginning when you see them in the hair salon and how she's talking to him. him and massaging. Massaging him and then in the bed and then there's a weird scene where she's holding like an enema and like. Yeah. There's like there's like little things that you're meant to I think just feel uncomfortable by. And you do. You do, yeah. More, and like that, all of those flashbacks are uncomfortable. I'm surprised that he is raped, to be quite honest, Mm -hmm. in a movie in the 60s. Because homosexuality was so... Taboo. Taboo at the time. I don't know. I think this is a movie, after a really long time, we've had this kind of discussion about. And I think that's great. Yeah. Because otherwise we were talking about like Oliver and the... We're going to be... Still talking about songs and dance. Yeah. Songs and dance. And, and like, like, it's nice to have something. It's nice to have some Exactly. And I think we're moving into that kind of... I'm excited for it. ...time frame. It's interesting, for yeah. sure. I still don't know how this one... And, case in point, maybe let's bring up... The nominees. The nominees. Yes. And the nominees are... And the nominees were... <laughs> Nadeem has an envelope in his hand. <laughs> yes. So, aside from Midnight Cowboy, which won... Yes. We had... N of the Thousand Days, which I've never heard of, mm-hmm. Zed, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, mm-hmm. and Hello Dolly, another musical. Another musical. Yeah. And still this one. I've never seen Hello Dolly. No. Butch Cassidy we watched recently. Yes. How did you feel about Butch Cassidy? I, I don't remember. It was okay. I feel like I was disappointed. I thought it was okay. Yeah. I yeah. think it was fine. I don't love the ending of Butch Cassidy the no. way a lot of people do. I could see Butch Cassidy winning over this. Like, that makes more sense yes, to me. Yes, absolutely. That's the logic. Like, if I'm in today, <laughs> I think the Academy would choose. Would choose. Would choose. I, I'm surprised that this even got nominated, though. Forget yeah, because it's so wild. It's so wild. Did I write what else had come out? I think there was, like, one or two other movies that had also come out yes, this year. Yes, did. Cactus Flower okay. and Easy Rider. <laughs> so many cowboys. Yeah, that was a big... 16 Adam was here of the Cowboy. the Cowboy, yeah. <laughs> huh. I don't even know... I've heard of Cactus Flower, yeah. but I know it's a comedy, so yeah. that doesn't surprise me. No. Um, and I've never seen Easy Rider. Have you? No. Okay. I've actually seen none of these movies, except Witch Cassidy. Yeah. Hello, Dolly. So here's the thing. If you wanted the 60s to sort of like wrap itself up in a nice, perfect little bow... Hello, Dolly would be the winner there. Yes. But I don't want the 60s to wrap itself up in a nice little bowl. No. I think this pick and In the Heat of the Night actually does, like, bring some zhuzh yeah. to, the, to the decade. And we keep talking about 70s cinema and how, you know, how it's talked about, how relevant it is and how, 
you know, it's made its notion on one of the better decades of film in history, but you don't have those movies without these movies leading into it. Yes. Wouldn't this make more sense as a movie that came up a few years later? Yeah, yeah. 100%. I, I, I think it's, look, I think it's great that it won. Yeah. I think it's amazing that the Academy was able to recognize and award such a, clearly at the time, inventive and daring piece of work. Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. And I think it's so such a shame that we will never see something like this win ever again. No. This will never have, like what this was to that time period, we will never have now. It's why. We will never have someone like Gaspar Noé or... Not Gus Van Sant, but the other one who made like Nymphomaniac and Antichrist. Oh, Lars von Trier. Lars von Trier will never win an Academy Award. Fine. He's a Nazi sympathizer aside. But but I mean in terms of like daring filmmaking and things, like we'll never have that. No. And this is impressive. Then we had it here. And we had it here. This is clearly what this was. Who directed this? I'd actually... (laughs) It's a totally... It's a total like... Sorry, whoever directed this was actually like, and his it is whoever, John Schlesinger. Her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what else has this man directed? So interesting. He did make this movie called Darling that was uh, nominated just a couple of years ago in '66, and then he directs Sunday Bloody Sunday in this it, like into the '70s, yeah. and that's it. Oh, John. <gasps> what? He directed The Next Best Thing. Who, John Schlesinger? Yes. Do you know The Next Best Thing? I don't know The Next Best Thing. The Next Best Thing is the Madonna Rupert Everett movie. Oh, right. (laughs) It's about a woman and her best friend. Yeah, I have a gay gay one. Yeah, one Decide to have a child. Oh, I feel like John must have been gay. Yeah. Yeah. But again, good on him for pushing the boundaries and trying things and. You know, good on the Academy for awarding it. And just please look back at your history. It's wild. Sequel, prequel ideas. I feel sad at the end of this movie. But like in a good way? Like, I want, well, mm, so here's the thing. There is a murder <laughs> at the end of this movie. Oh yeah, fair enough. There's a murder. Yeah. And so the the real sequel, prequel is like, um... Does he get caught? And I don't think he does. I think it's just, you know, it was the 60s. A guy got, was dead in a hotel room because he was trying to have a hookup. And I don't think he ever does get caught because they didn't have DNA or anything like that back then. But then on the butt, like, what are they, what happens? (laughs) That part of me is just like, where does he go from here? He goes to Florida. But like, what does he do there? He doesn't have Razzo. Yeah. But he didn't have Razzo before. Rico. But Rizzo. he he had him in New York. But before that, yeah, like he was on his own. Own, yeah. It's sad in that way, and I kind of. I think many people's experience is that though. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I guess. That's and I think true. that I think it brings to the question of like, what do you think the point of this film was? That's a hard thing to right? answer. It's like, a really where hard question. Where are we question. going yeah. here? Because watching it, I'm like, where are we going? Like, I I'm interested in the directions. Yeah. But what is the point? What is the point? Yeah. And I do think it is about male companionship and more friendship. Yeah. But companionship in general. Because I I don't understand that dynamic because I'm not a male and I won't ever be. And so, like, what I seek in my friendships and with my girlfriends is different from what, like, men do seek in other males. But it's interesting. I don't think that... I I think... 
I mean, if that's your perspective, that's what yeah. you draw into it, right? It's in uh, what I find interesting is that Joe and Rizzo are not friends of choice. It's of like it's of circumstance. circumstance. Yeah, like they're forced into that, and it becomes a relationship of circumstance. Like yeah. they're friends, and John essentially gives up his because he essentially is on his way after he sleeps with the first woman who gives him the money, and she introduces him to you know what I mean. You're like, it's going to start for him. Like yeah. you feel you get that sense that like oh. It's going to start to work out. He will out. be a gigolo. He will be a gigolo. But then with Rizzo's downfall, he decides to, you know, kill the man and then go to Florida and all of that. Riz, like his desire to save Rizzo and protect Rizzo ends up trumping his own need He's for success. He's built this companionship yeah, with somebody yeah. that he, feel, he feels he does need to nurture that or at least do something to support that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, but I do question like, I mean, yeah, maybe it is about male companionship, but may, but like, I think if you were trying to do a movie about male companionship, I personally think that relationship should be of choice, but maybe that that is what you're trying to say. He actually chooses Rizzo over his career. And sometimes the people that you wind up being the friends best with, of friends yeah. with are like, look, we were in a job that we didn't yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, I mean, at first we liked it, but then, yeah, then, <laughs> but then it slowly. But down. a lot of our friendship thrived on the convenience of making this podcast. Of, like, we needed something to yeah. do during COVID. Yeah. And, like, that's when we got closer. Yeah. Before we were just, like, fair-weather friends. We're fair-weather friends, yeah. yeah. And now we're much closer as a result of the podcast. And maybe you just need that thing to guide you together. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's saying about Joe or what it's saying about, like, three-quarters of the film then. Fair. That's my thing. Is that, and like, I have interpreted it as being about, again, the, like... Poverty. Poverty, especially the average American experience. Mm-hmm. And then the the breaking of the American dream. Like this pursuit and desire and this feeling that anything is possible, then to realize it's not. Mm. Yeah. And then all you're left with is a dead best friend beside you. That's so sad. I know. Spoiler alert. <laughs> this is probably a film that is about multiple things. Yeah. There's not one oh, guy. Yeah. Well, theme. I think all films. I'll think all, but I think some, I think Oliver is about like very few things. I think people always have the intention of wanting to reach like very different things throughout the entire movie. And some films do have like yes. one narrow line that yeah. you can follow, but this doesn't. And yeah. it has like a plethora of things you could take a look Which at. Which is another reason why I'm just surprised this one. Because this is not, it's not linear, it's not straightforward, it's not a story. This is like, it's really a character study more than anything. People maybe wanted something different. Yeah. They were ready for change. Yeah. Woodstock, baby. Woodstock. Yeah. I will go into my rating. Okay. This is I'm going to be a very long episode. <laughs> but again, I think that's a great that like, we're getting to a place where we can have like a real conversation about film and like not agree and not see the same thing. Mm-hmm. Having watched the same movie, having had largely the same feelings, but still not agreeing on something. Yeah. That's the greatness of film. And I think this is the kind of movie that the Academy should be rewarding. I think it's great. It's trying something. It's telling us, it's telling, it's telling something to an audience it just hasn't seen before. Yeah. I think, should every best picture be like this? No. I'm going to say something controversial. I'm happy that there are best picture winners like Oliver. Yeah. Because I think Oliver has its place. And I didn't realize that until I saw this. Oh. Because I do feel that, like, this is nice. I'm really happy this one. I respect it. I, I think there's a reason it's in film history. But there's also a reason Oliver is in film history. Mm-hmm. Because what this accomplishes, Oliver can't. And what Oliver accomplishes, this can't. Mm-hmm. 
and those feelings and that sense of cinema in very different ways. This is showing them you a mirror, showing you something, making you think, making you, you know, question, really opening your mind, whereas Oliver is meant to hit your heart. It's meant to hit you in a very different place. And I think there's there's space in cinema for everything. And until now, we've seen so much of the Oliver, which is why Oliver feels so like, okay, we've seen this, we've seen this, we've seen this, and suddenly we're sitting something different. But I feel like once we get to the 80s, I'm going to be like, oh, I miss Oliver. I, I truly think that's going to happen. I don't know. The 80s are... Have you looked at the lineup for the yeah, 80s? Yeah, the 80s are a little bit ugly. Yeah. 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 So I think I'm going to miss, miss Oliver. I think I'm going to miss My Fair Lady and The Sound of Music. And like, I'm going to miss what this decade kind of had to offer. This to is novel right years. <laughs> Yeah. This is novel for right now. Yeah. Midnight Cowboy. But that remains to be seen. As far as Midnight Cowboy goes as a movie in terms of film history, I think it's great. I think it's incredibly well acted, even though John White kind of irritates me in this. And like Joe Buck irritates me. Okay. As a, as a character, I think there's something, his gum chewing in his face and like there's something very like, I want to punch him. But I think that's the intent. I think you're meant to be a little frustrated by him as a person and his cockeyed optimism. I think this has one of the most annoying songs in film history, but Seinfeld has forever just like locked it in for me. Mm-hmm. That's what Seinfeld does. Because yeah. anytime I hear, I can't hear a word they're saying. No, 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 yeah, that, but uh, I can't hear a word they're oh, saying. Yeah. Everybody's talking oh, at yeah. me. I can't hear a word they're saying. The next line to me is just riding around in John Voight's car <laughs> because that's what George says. Yeah. So I love it. I love it for what, you know, it has become. It represents all of that. I think four is too high. I'm going to land on three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You? What I pulled from this movie is the representation that's actually there in like the late 60s -hmm. that we haven't seen yet. We haven't seen like gay men in this way. And I know Joe Buck may not necessarily be a gay man, but there are gay love scenes in this. Can I say one thing? Yes. I think Rizzo is gay though. Oh yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah. I... uh, I didn't bring it up because I thought we knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I think Rizzo is gay. Yeah. I don't think... Rizzo is not accepting of his... His sexuality, or... yes. I think Joe Buck is probably more bisexual. Is probably, yes. You're Continue. fair yeah. on that. Yeah. But we haven't seen gay relationships in yeah. any films yet. Even poverty at that level. Like, poverty in Oliver is very different than the poverty in Absolutely, the Night Cowboy. Yeah. Um, and... Your notion of the American dream, but also the notion of like, in this year, we have two films that have male companionships yeah. or male friendships. You have Butch Sundance, Butch Cassidy Ken, and the Sundance, Sundance Kid. Kid yeah. <laughs> and you have um, Joe Buck and I, w- I want to call him Ratso because yeah. I feel like that's who he is. Yeah. <laughs> and Ratso yeah. and this. And I think... Butch and Sundance are, like, what the ideology for men is. Yeah. It's, like, these two, like, rogue cowboys, yeah. like, shooting guns together. Yeah. And I feel like the representation that is between Joe Buck and Ratso is just so much more... Real. real yeah. Yeah. Authentic yeah. to what, like, what it can be, but also to, like, what to expect from the future. Like, this movie is very ahead of its time. Very ahead of its time. So ahead of yeah. it. Light years. Light years. Yeah. And so, like, we are saying, like, how surprising it is to jump from some from a decade of, like, musicals and fun jaunts. So, for me, it was, like, very refreshing in a way to kind of see something different. In the same way that In the Heat of the Night was, 
and still refreshing to see like what's to come of the decade. Mm-hmm. I'm so looking forward to us watching the 70s. the 70s. I wasn't at first, but then watching this and in the heat of the night, I was like, oh yeah, I kind of am in the mood for something a bit more grounded. I am disappointed we have to wait 34 years for another flipping musical, yeah. but I'll get there when we get there. This though, so vastly different and is really telling of the time, which to me in itself is just so interesting as well. And then the filmmaker himself takes a lot of risk with not only the story, but the editing of this as well to do the jump cuts of like from his past to the forward. That whole scene when they're in the club together mm-hmm. is like such a mismatch of yeah, yeah, yeah. everything. And it's like, it's jarring to watch, but also exciting at the same yeah. time. Because if I'm a viewer in 1969, I'm thinking, whoa, I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. And so I do appreciate it for what it does. And I'm landing at a three and a half. Mm, look at us. Yeah. Seven total. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't give the feels. I'm not, I, would, I wouldn't say I'm going to watch Midnight Cowboy again. Yeah. But I do appreciate it for, for what, what it is. For what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I totally feel the same way about it. Like, this is my second time watching it and first time understanding it. But I don't think I'm going to ever sit down and be like, you know what I feel like today? Midnight Cowboy. MC. So... I told my dad I was watching Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. And he said, oh, okay. Because <laughs> it has a history. Yeah. And I get it. My daughter one day is like, I'm watching Midnight Cowboy. And I'm like, oh, all right. Uh, okay. Depending on how old she is. Because yeah. I think this is the first. Oh, yeah. yeah. You need to be a fully fledged adult. Like Bare beyond minimum. 21. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone. I don't think some 18 year old I mean, is gonna... watch it if you want. I'm not going to censor you, but you're not going to get you're it. You're not going to get it. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to understand it the way it's meant to be understood. Mm-hmm. But that was Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. And that was the end of the 60s, Mita. Wow, what a decade. What a decade. What a time. I love that we're looking at decades now. Now that's that's what it's going to be. It feels real. It does. Yeah. But before we move into the 70s, Mita, uh-huh. we have one final Oscar-oriented Ooh. game. Okay. Last week, mm-hmm. you had me connect mm-hmm. All Quiet on the Western Front yes. to Best Picture nominee, yeah. Elvis. Elvis. And now for one last time, Mita. Okay. I would like you to connect. Uh-huh. It's going to be fun. Okay. Elvis? Uh-huh. To Puss in Boots. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Timer starts now. Okay, Puss in Boots, Salma Hayek. And Elvis has... Where has Edward Norton worked with Tom Hanks? Hanks has worked with... Uh... No, that doesn't work. Okay. There's like a lot of options, so that's why it's getting like Yeah, it's almost too many. Fuzzy. Yeah. Um okay. Tom Hanks has worked with Leonardo DiCaprio in Catch Me If You Can, who worked with Brad Pitt in um Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, who worked with George Clooney in Oceans Eleven, who worked in um Oh, what's that movie? Uh, the Till Dust Till Dawn. Okay, it's Five Kids with Robert Rodriguez, who did Till Dust Till Dawn with Salma Hayek, who is in Puss yeah, in Boots. Puss in Boots. Yeah. 50 seconds. I did it. You did it. How were you thinking? Um, I didn't think. Oh, okay, thank I, you I didn't, have time to think, I didn't have time to think about this, but I did see it, and I was just like, Antonio Banderas and Salma Hayek, there's enough there. Yeah. You also could have done... No, never mind, you couldn't have done that. 
Okay. <laughs> no, I was... Oh my god, I just have another one. Can oh, I try it? Yeah. Okay. Tom Hanks is in The Terminal with Catherine Zeta-Jones, who is in um, The Mask of Zorro with Antonio Banderas. There you go. Yeah. Ha! <laughs> I did two! No. So no, next week one. you have to do three. <laughs> no. I will not be doing that. Because next week, Mita, what are we watching? Next week we are watching Patton! The first movie of the 70s. Yeah. three-hour movie. About, a, about the war? About the war. Great. So let's see what that's like. Let's see what this next decade is. Let's see what this next decade It has some heavy hitters. It has it some Godfathers and some Rocky and yeah. some, yeah, a lot of movies that we've seen actually. The French Connection. The French Have I you have seen not that? seen the Oh, French Papa connection. Doyle? Uh, sorry? <laughs> <laughs> I just told you I haven't seen the movie. I know, I thought you knew who Papa Doyle was. No. Okay, French Connection. Oh, anyways, we won't go there because next week it's Patton. Yeah. And then we'll move forward. There we go. Do you have parting words? I do. Hmm. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Yeah. Did you know that was improvised? Yeah. yeah everybody cool. knows that I think. <laughs> Not everybody means that. Everybody's everybody. talking about walking here. Sorry. <laughs> I can't hear a word they're saying. No, everybody's talking at me. I can't hear a word they're saying. Just driving around John Foy's car. Okay. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, please like, subscribe, share, and rate and review. And we will see you next week for Patton. Have a lovely week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can send us an email at moviestowatchpod at gmail.com, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at moviestowatchpod, and check out our letterbox at movies, the number two, watch pod. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.